Welcome to Dublin First Baptist Church's Women's Ministry Podcast, where we're linking arms to treasure Jesus Christ, love others, and reflect His heart in our homes, church, workplace, and community by fulfilling God's unique purpose for womanhood. Our vision is to individually and collectively equip, encourage, and produce passionate women who treasure the name of Jesus Christ through Christ-centered, biblically-focused discipleship and cross-generational mentorship within the walls of Dublin First Baptist Church and beyond. We hope you enjoy today's show. Welcome, everyone, to week three of the Sermon on the Mount Bible Study podcast from the Dublin First Baptist Women's Ministry podcast. We're excited to be with you today. And before we get started, we're going to go ahead and open in prayer. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to come to your word today and to really delve deep and and try to get from it um, all that you would have to say to us. Lord, we just pray that you will help us in our discussion time to um, truly seek you and to, um, to hear all that you would have us to say and apply it to our lives. And Lord, we thank you again. In your name I pray, amen. All right. Well, this was a fun week. Yeah. And it's so neat to read through the Sermon on the Mount each Mm -hmm. week. And just I've enjoyed that very much. Mm -hmm. So it asks here at the very beginning, what is your biggest or describe your biggest cooking catastrophe? Yeah, I kind of I kind of blanked on this one. I know I've had plenty Um, because it it seems like I burn myself um, every time I cook um, anything very seriously. But um, I did, I did remember an argument that Lewis and I had very early in our marriage about whether or not uh, the um, country ham needed to be soaked in hot water to get some of the salt out. So that's kind of what came to mind when I thought about cooking is um, since our, such a bunch of our lesson this week is on salt, I thought, well, that kind of fits here. Um, but he was right. And I was wrong that time. Um, so, yeah, we, yeah, I figured it out. But that was really early, in, and I hadn't cooked that very much at that time. So, um, so I've learned. <laughs> so um, my biggest cooking catastrophe happened very early in our marriage mm-hmm. as well. Um, we had not been married very long, and mm-hmm. we had gotten an electric skillet for one of our wedding gifts. And Tommy... And I were going to use this electric skillet to make something my grandma makes, and she calls it more please. Mm -hmm. And so I followed the recipe exactly. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) we, I I don't know what I did wrong, because all I know is that we still call it less please, and I have never tried to repeat (laughs) making this. It's, it was so horrible. And (laughs) so we just, we laugh about having less please, and I should pull it out sometime and try to make it now that I'm better at cooking but I don't know (laughs) I'm worried I get worried about it because it was really horrible like crunchy and not flavorful at all and my grandma makes it it's amazing so I don't know what I did wrong (laughs) but so as we're going through and kind of talking about this and I know Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about salt so it didn't really have anything to do with salt but Mm -hmm. um the first question she goes back to day two's homework and she Mm -hmm. asked the question um you read that salt was primarily used as a preservative before refrigeration. So looking back over questions from day two, what do you think salt symbolizes in these passages? 
Well, I just, I was thinking about, you know, salt is uh, preservative, it's um, antiseptic, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's flavorful. There's so many uses for salt. And just thinking back on, um, you know, what Jesus is telling us with this and how you know, salt, it's an enhancer. That's one of the, the main things, I, I think. Um, and just looking over, you know, all that is going on, it's meant to provide savor and preserve. And then, you know, looking back at Lot's wife and how this relates to her, um, she let it take over her. Um, mm -hmm. And she let that um, salt of the culture, so to speak, um, become her focus. Um, it's meant to purify and to cleanse. Um, so there's just there. These are some difficult questions this week um, yeah. concerning this. And you um, know, once you listen to the lesson, mm -hmm. it all. I kind of felt silly afterwards because I was <laughs> like, so I think I was thinking too hard about this. Mm -hmm. But once you listen to her mm -hmm. teach on it, it really does make a lot more mm -hmm. sense. But. Yeah, the idea of preservative and mm -hmm. the fact that it was so common, it was traded. Tommy and I did talk about this, you know, and I've taught it to my it's kids. Valuable. Mm -hmm. It was extremely valuable. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and um, you know, just the fact that mm -hmm. it, it was very common. Mm -hmm. it, these would have been good illustrations for these people mm -hmm. to hear, but it was a preservative and it was, um, like you said, to add flavor, to mm -hmm. enhance. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, so applying that, like thinking yeah. about the fact that what does salt mean and mm -hmm. what, what does it symbolize, mm -hmm. um, what are some specific ways believers can be salt in this world and what relationship in your life needs salt? Well, I think the relationship in my life that needs salt, that's a, that's a little bit hard to, you know, kind of address. Probably all the relationships in my life need, need salt if it's the right kind of you know, if, if we're taking salt as the right kind of attitude and right way of living. Um, specific ways that we can be salt in the world, I think it's very important to, um, first of all, being a, an example, living a life that's set apart, um, because that is one of the characteristics, you know, because it was preservative, things were set apart by salt mm -hmm. and um the, the covenant of salt that she talks about, that was a covenant of the Israelites being set apart. Um, so that, that kind of higher standard of living um, and just being an example um, in, your, in your way of thinking your life. Um, but also um, being encouraging. Yeah. Um, I think one way that we can do that is to, you know, I, one thing as believers that we have, I think that uh, that people that are not believers can't see a lot of times is we're aware of the blessings of God around us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes just calling attention to our everyday right. blessings. It adds flavor. Um, it adds flavor. It enhances. And, you know, just being, you know, the kind of person that, enhances life for other people and shows them, you know, there's more to, you know, our living than what they may, you know, right. may see. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's probably, you know, one of the practical ways to um, try to be salt to people. And definitely when we share the gospel, yeah, when we right. disciple other people, we're, 
we're adding flavor, but we're also preserving. We're preserving God's word. Right. And um, just uh, living by his standards preserves mm-hmm. his word. But for me, I would say the relationships that need the most salt are the ones that are closest to me. Um, we often let our guard down with our f- own family members. Mm-hmm. And so I have to, I have to be careful that I um, don't neglect those that are closest to me. Right. And, um, and preserving and living according to God's will and, and discipling mm-hmm. and uh, adding flavor and joy. Joy is joy. such a flavorful mm-hmm. thing, you know? Right, right. And um, you can often tell who's a Christian mm-hmm. just by their joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently met someone, and she was so joyful. And I said to her, I was like, you are such a, a blessing. It was at a restaurant she was serving mm-hmm. And I just said, you are such a blessing. You have so much joy. And she says, because I have Jesus in my heart. And right. it was obvious. Yeah. You know, she had that yeah. salt. So, it's you know, we're talking about salt, but I keep coming back to it's the fruit of the spirit that mm-hmm. that is the salt unto the world. So if we're yeah. um, walking in the spirit and, and showing, you know, that fruit, then that's going to, you know, bring forth the enhancement. Right, right. And, and preservation and, you know, just... Lots of things that can um, be attributed to salt qualities in you know in our lives. So yeah, I, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So in question two, this is from day three. Um, what are some of the functions of light in the natural world? I actually got done teaching light to yeah. the elementary students at the co-op that we're okay. in. So it was kind of fun to get this question, but um, so we can see, mm-hmm. so we can tell time, seasons. Mm-hmm. For heat, for growth, photosynthesis requires light. Right. There's a lot of things in the natural world that we see light being used for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even energy. Yeah, yeah. And well, and you know, to just for the simple, you know, fact of being able to navigate our world, because you know, when the lights go off, that's one thing I remember from my early childhood is if the power would go off in the house, Mama would go. Stay where you are, <laughs> because she didn't want us stumbling around in the dark and hurting ourselves. And so, I mean, that's that's one of the you know big things about light is, you know, without light we can't see where we're going. Um, so that's that's what immediately came to mind to me with that. How does the analogy of light illustrate the role of Jesus's disciples in the world? Well, like you just said, mm-hmm. we're to shine. And so other people can see in the darkness around them. Like when we light up a space Mm -hmm. by the word of God, Mm -hmm. we can point people to Christ Mm -hmm. just by shining, shining Jesus. Is there a specific situation in which God is calling you to be the light of truth? And what holds you back from fulfilling your role as the light of the world? I think often fear holds Mm -hmm. me back. Um, it's easy to shine light with other people who are shining light. Okay. It's hard to shine light in areas that you're not sure what your response is going to get. You have to be careful that we continue to shine even when it's difficult, even when people may not agree with us and mm-hmm. like the fear that I have to overcome. Um, being specific, though, I think with directing the pregnancy center. I've gotten some tough questions over the last couple of weeks. So um, being sure that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and I'm speaking truth into mm-hmm. those questions is important. And, and that's 
you know, and making sure that I know the truth. Yeah, yeah. I think as far as specific situations for me, um, well, you know, in, daily, in just my daily, you know, work life, you know, the, the people that I work with, um, just trying my best to to show them Jesus through my attitude and my, you know, work ethic, my, you know, kindness to other people. Um, all of those are very important, you know, because we are, we're, we're not supposed to just be light just from time to time. We're, we're all the time. Um, and then, of course, you know, you said it before with your, you know, your close relationships, particularly, you know, you don't, you don't hide that light under a bushel just because you know, that person knows you a little better and is going to, you know, right. maybe even, well, be supposed to excuse <laughs> some of your flaws. Sometimes your family can be a little tougher on you than um, people out in the world. Um, but, yeah, just you know, those specific situations, just, you know, trying our, you know, our best to walk in the Holy Spirit and to be, you know, um, a light to everyone that we come in contact with and in and in being patient with people because we live in such a world where you know we're used to we're really spoiled and used to being catered to a lot and just being able to be that different kind of person that when mm -hmm. something is going wrong seeing that you know it's not the end of the world first of all you can be patient. You can show grace to other people. Um, if you have to wait in a line a little bit longer or, you know, somebody messes your order up at the Taco Bell, which that happened to me a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and I probably wasn't the best at that. But just, you know, yeah. showing in those moments right. um, that you're different. Yeah. You know, I always find it funny when you're in a situation like that where someone's messed up or – they feel like this might be a situation where a customer might be volatile. Mm -hmm. And I always say, it's okay. You know, it's not mm -hmm. your fault. I understand. Mm -hmm. I'm patient. Mm -hmm. You know, and the look of surprise <laughs> on their <laughs> yeah, face yeah. is enjoyable yeah. to me because it is. It is showing yeah. light. And it is something so contrary. Right. Like right. they are used to being um, upset while you work yeah. in, a, oh, yeah. in a place where people are probably quick tempered. Mm -hmm. Because it's frustrating. You're dealing with money and insurance. And mm -hmm. so having yeah. that one customer that <laughs> calls in and is kind to you probably makes a difference. Yes, it, it does. It's a, it's a different. Well, we're, I was talking about with some, that with some of my coworkers last week. I said, you know, we tend to, on our breaks and we like when we're in chat together, we tend to, um, you know, kind of really vent about the callers that are frustrating or um, say silly things. Um, we do that a lot. But I said, for today, let's, as a, in my little friend group, I said, let's count the ones that are just exceptionally sweet to us. Um, because a lot of the callers will, you know, they'll tell me, you know, a, a lot of times I'll, I'll get, well, your name's Daphne, and they'll say, oh, what a pretty name. Or, you know, thank you, you are so helpful. I even had one guy a week or so ago say, you know, when you call the DMV, you're kind of nervous about, you know, because the reputation is not great um, for that. And um, he said, and you have been really nice. And I said, thank you. I'm trying to change that perception. Just do my part to do yeah. that. And so, you know, that's that's one of those things, just being that unusual 
Yeah, because they're not used to that reaction. They're not right. used to people being kind and patient. Right. And so if you can if you can practice that self-control to do that. <laughs> and then when you have opportunity, you can say it's because Jesus right, is in right. me. Right. Yeah. It opens doors. Yeah. So in Matthew 5:17, Jesus addresses the silent conclusion of his disciples. Based on what he told them in verses 1 through 16, in other words, in Matthew 1 through 16 would lead the disciples to think Jesus means to do away with the law and the prophets. Why would the disciples come to this conclusion? I think it was they were looking for revolution, first of all. That was their preconceived notion that the Messiah would bring, you know, extreme change. Um, so they, they may have found it, found it very surprising that Jesus says, you know, this law, this is, this is what I'm, you know, what is expected. And even we'll see in the coming weeks, the law doesn't lessen by what Jesus is teaching here. The responsibility in the law actually becomes more stringent because he is, where it has been what you do that has seemed to be important. Right, right. He's, he's showing here that it's not just that. It's literally your heart and your attitude um, toward God and toward others. That is the important thing. Um, so, you know, I think the disciples probably, you know, preconceived notions, um, and and then just listening to where he's going with this, this, you know, we're we're used to hearing this. I mean, we we probably you know never gone in depth with study of it, but you know we've heard the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard what Jesus is preaching here. This is the first time anybody is hearing this, and it is way different from what they're expecting. Um, well, so they were being taught that by following these rules that that was going to satisfy them. That right. was going to satisfy God's wrath. That was going to satisfy their life. They were going to have happiness mm -hmm. because they did these X, Y, Z things. And here Jesus is saying, it's not about what you do. Mm -hmm. It's about how you think. Uh -huh. And, and you know, and we, we look at being poor in spirit and being meek and being humble. And, and we think, well, that's not, that's, you know, that's not something actionable necessarily i mean mm -hmm. it comes out in our actions mm -hmm. but it's not like um dressing a particular way right. or attending a certain service mm -hmm. um or giving money in a particular mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. um it's about an attitude yeah and about our character and yeah. so i think they looked at this and they thought well <clears throat> he's you know i no longer have to to um do these things that the you know they were being taught that they had to mm -hmm. do because they felt like now it's just attitude but yeah. it goes hand in hand <laughs> well i think too i mean and this kind of came up in our um second week study in person um you know we got to i think it was um pure in heart and um we're discussing that and we just kind of all came to the realization wait a minute we can't do these we're not able. Right. And that's, I think that's the point here with, you know, the, even with the law, it was, it was always, you're not able to keep the law. If you were able to, you wouldn't need a savior. Right. And so what Jesus is leading up to with this is that um, you need to realize 
that you can't do this um, apart from the Holy apart Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. God is going to have to give you the strength. God, and and that's something that that did come out in our in our session that if we are able to have these beatitudes, if we are able to even approach keeping God's expectations for us, God's going to have to give it to us. Right. So that's that's where we kind of landed with that. But yeah, this you know it it is extremely different from what the disciples were used to hearing. Right. So give some examples, Daphne, of how the Old Testament law provides rules of life. And are these laws still necessary? Why or why not? Well, um, I'm a a big proponent of, you know, when Jesus narrows down the uh, Ten Commandments to these two greatest laws— if you split the commandments up, you do see that there is this relationship to God in the first four, relationship to your fellow man in the last six. And that's it's very, um, very uh, standard to you know look at these and go, oh, well, these are all good things. If you look at the, the Ten Commandments specifically, now I know when we say the law, um, that can be, you know, a very broad, <laughs> it had become a very broad well, category. I mean, it wasn't just what Moses said. I mean, they had yeah. added on to that, right. too. So. Right, so they had added a lot. Um, but the basis of the law, of all that, was the Ten Commandments. And so um, when we're looking at that, yes, as far as the Ten Commandments go, I think that they are very good rules for living because all of them, if you look at them you know, just very deeply, to have a life that um, is free of guilt and free of strained relationships and in tune with God, yeah, you to keep, to strive to keep the Ten Commandments is a very good thing to do and very, I mean, I, I do try to do that um, in my life, right. um, but by the grace of God, again, yeah, I, the only way that I'm able to even approach it is for God to help me. Well, the Ten um, Commandments are still, I mean... They're still very applicable. Right. I mean, right. honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't right. steal. Don't commit adultery. Those are all things that we should, they should be well, our standard. And I think probably the most important one and the hardest one for all of us to keep because our hearts keep going off in 50 different di- directions is the first one. I right, mean, right, right, right. we hold God in highest regard and his will for our life in highest regard. That's the, that's the, that's the kicker right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yes, I definitely think they're very relevant um, and still necessary. On day five, question five, what sort of righteousness could ever exceed that of the Pharisees? This is a good question. So the Pharisees did everything outward. Mm-hmm. You know, I was um, telling the ladies Tuesday morning, they gave an offering they had a trumpet blown if they were um fasting they made sure everybody knew that they were miserable Mm -hmm. because they were fasting Mm -hmm. from food or whatever but it was not about this outward thing that jesus was talking about he was talking about the motivation Mm -hmm. behind it like Mm -hmm. why are we doing this Mm -hmm. and then we keep going back to character or our hearts but that's really what it was was jesus Mm -hmm. was getting at the very root Mm -hmm. of why we do things do we do it to be seen do we do it to have praise or recognition 
Mm-hmm. Or do we do it because we want to please God? Right. And because it's right. Mm-hmm. And um, so as we as we go on, like, how can you be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees? You do it from the heart, and mm-hmm. you do it for the Lord. Right. And that's it. You don't worry about, yeah. you know, letting people see you. Yeah. And in, in some senses here, the um, where this had gone off track is in elevating the law to such a high degree that it had become the God they worshipped. Right. This keeping the law was their was their worship, their goal. And so it even if it hurt someone um, by their keeping the law, if it, if it made it so difficult for other people that they would I mean, why would you why would you want to be part of a religion that was that stringent? Um, and so it, in so many ways it was it was keeping people back from God. It was holding them, you know, at a standard that was in, you know, literally impossible to even attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not God. He wa- I mean, he wants us to obey. Yeah. And, and he will chastise us or punish us or disciple us or discipline us if we are doing wrong, if we are his children. But he's not out to get us. He wants to forgive us. Yeah. And he wants to bring us back into fellowship with him. And that's so contrary to what they were being taught. Yeah, well, and they, you know, the law, the, the standards that God has given us are for our good to make our lives better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's like a father guiding his child. There are certain things that God is going to keep from his children just because they're destructive, they're bad for us. We don't need to right. go there. Right. And so, you know, the, but the, you know, this righteous, getting back to our question, this righteousness that the Pharisees had, you're right. It was all um, about ticking the boxes and about an outward show, this, you know, idea that, you know, everybody would know that they are keeping the law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jesus is, which, you know, there's this word in the Bible for sin, it's called iniquity. And we don't focus on that very much because I, I think that's, you know, these different kinds of sin kind of um, elude us sometimes. But that particular term for sin is inward corruption of the heart. It's, you know, this this I am simple down to my very root. And where they were thinking of sin as just, you know, failing at keeping this set of rules. They had iniquity in their heart, right? And right. so that's that's the thing here that you know we need to have the right love for God. Love for God is how we're we're going to ever exceed the righteousness of Pharisees, right? Yeah. Um, how are we guilty of relaxing the commands of God? And give a general example of how we do this, then followed by a specific example. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, a general example would be we ask for forgiveness because it's what we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. but we don't have true sorrow mm-hmm. for what we've done wrong. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the Bible says that we are to come to God and be sorrowful over our sin mm-hmm. and, and truly repent and turn from our sin. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're like, Lord, forgive me for the things that I may have done wrong today. Yeah. And I think that's relaxing the law. That's yeah. that's essentially saying I'm not going to actually admit 
my sin. That's I'm not just, really facing it. Right. And, and I'm guilty of that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, d- I don't necessarily always want to admit, you know, what's funny about it, that mm-hmm. is that God already knows. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, hi- I'm not fooling him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and when I finally realize that and I get on my knees and I ask God to forgive me, mm-hmm. it's a total different relationship at yeah. that point again versus when I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, I may have done something wrong, Lord, so can you forgive me for that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I see that, uh, you know. I think we, you know, that's probably the the main thing there, that we don't take our sin as seriously as we should. That, you know, it, and it's, I'm not saying that we should be like, you know, beat our chest, beat and our chest, tear and, our clothes, and, yeah, and pour and, our dust you know, on our head, roll in the dirt, and you know, <laughs> be all, oh, I'm so sorry, like that. But on some level, we need to really acknowledge, yeah, God is holy, and that's way beyond our imagination. What weight that even carries to to well, say that? Well, you know, when you look at your children, yeah. when they're toddlers and they do something wrong, you say. Mm-hmm. Now tell Joey that you're sorry for right. what you did, and right. the kid says, "I'm sorry, Joey." Yeah, you know, and they're not yeah. right. <laughs> they're not sorry. But then, as they grow older, mm-hmm. when they come to you mm-hmm. to begin with, Mom, I did X, Y, Z, and um, I'm really sorry. Yeah, that is that the difference between yeah what we're what we're talking about here is yeah. that that they've acknowledged their sin even before I've had to say anything. Yeah. And I think it, it comes down to, too, we, we need to realize, you know, we, when we love God, we want to be um, pleasing to him. Um, our, you know, growing up, one of the main reasons why I, I didn't get in trouble much as a teenager is I dreaded with all my heart for my parents to be disappointed in me. And it's a similar relationship with God where I, I should be striving to be on a level where, you know, I can, I'm never going to come before him clean, but I can come before him a little less, you know, re- rebellious, a little less um, well, bold. I mean, it's not, it's bold not that we're not coming messing. before him clean because if yeah, we're saved, yeah, we're clean. Yeah. We're clean. But it's you're not coming before him in your own in your own righteousness, flesh. yeah. Your but I think that you know this is a careful. We have to be careful with, you know, the question here because we don't want to get in a situation where we're falling into. Well, I have to do these works to be accepted. You know, relaxing the commands of God is you know, being on guard about that is not the same thing as working as hard as trying to do as much as we can to earn something um, that's already been purchased for us. Um, I think sometimes it's easy as Christians to relax standards because we are saved. Mm -hmm. And so we think, well, I'm going to pull out the really, really like (laughs) the taboo one. Are you ready? (laughs) We put other things before church, or we put other things before God, or we, we don't do our Bible reading because That's, we've yeah. got X, Y, Z going. Those are all examples of relaxing yeah. oh, the commandments, yeah. because God says to put him first. Yeah. 
So when we put anything else first. Yeah, that's right. And when, I mean, and, and probably the most common thing as far as specific is when you're feeling that little nudge. Go talk to that person. Right, right. Um, and you just kind of, well, just clock. Yeah. Was that really quench the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that was that was probably not you. And I probably and do I have time for that? And and that sort of thing. That's probably the the most is just that basic daily being sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, and not just pushing Him aside whenever um, it feels inconvenient to us. That's probably the biggest one for us. So as we look back over this week and we kind of think about all the verses that we read, I'm going to go ahead and read them and then we'll answer this last mm-hmm. question. But um, it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's foot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. In the same way, let your light so shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to the Father which is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all of it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So reading over that, Daphne, what impacted you most from this week? Well, I'm just looking at that, the, the portions where he talks about how the law will not pass away um, until all is accomplished. Um, and um, just thinking about that, that, you know, we are looking, it, we've already talked a little bit about the already, not yet, that we, you know, um, that we live in that state that we live in where we're awaiting the kingdom, but also it's, sti- it's already here. And I think that, you know, that everything being accomplished you know, it's very poignant that Jesus said from the cross, it is finished. Right. So this is this has been accomplished for us, that the, the law has been fulfilled in Christ. And um, so we do live free in Christ. We're not, um, we're not bound by these rules. Right. We right. are under his grace. And I think that's, you know, it's beautiful to remember, you know, that, that God was first of all, willing to care about us, to set standards that are good for us and, and to t- show us these things that help us to follow him better and to be obedient to him. Yeah. Um, and that also he offers that grace and forgiveness that holds us fast and, and brings us into the kingdom. Um, so I, I think that's probably what you know, stands out to me about, about our verses this week. Yeah. So for me, I, I remember... I did this lesson a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I remember just that ending passage where it talks about if we relax one of these commandments mm-hmm. and we teach others to do the yeah. same, or on the reverse, if we do these commandments and we teach others to do the same, mm-hmm. that, like that, that teaching others mm-hmm. is so important to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
part of it is, you know, I teach my kids. Mm -hmm. So I look at this verse and I think, I better not teach them to -hmm. relax anything. Yeah. And I better make sure that I I I am being an example Mm -hmm. for them to follow because Mm -hmm. but also like in our church life, in our daily life, who are we teaching? Yeah. And who are we discipling along the way? And teaching them, and it, it, I, I remember reading this and just sitting and thinking, wow, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily noticed yeah. that teaching part before. Yeah, yeah, you know, we're not supposed to do that. We're not mm-hmm. supposed to relax the commands. Yeah. But I don't know if I necessarily attached it yeah. to the teaching others part. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think too, that's you know, it, it comes back around to being salt and light, mm-hmm. because our responsibility to how we relate to the world is in that enhancement and that guidance, and that is teaching it. But And this admonition to be on guard about being careful, to be, you know, good examples, good teachers, is so important that we, that we do that. So I want to say in this video, but I'm mm-hmm. maybe confusing with something else, mm-hmm. but she says something about when we hear bad news, mm-hmm. is it going to drag us down and discourage us right. when we see what's going on in the world or is it going to spur us to action? Yeah, yeah. And and that, I think, is what you're saying. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. the teaching part it, and being the light and the salt. When we see all these things in, in mm-hmm. this world that are just so upside down, yeah. it should spur us yeah. to do what's right and to be the light around mm-hmm. us rather than discourage us and pull us down. Yeah, right. So... Well, I want to thank everyone who's listening, and um, I'm going to close in prayer and then hope to hear you next time. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for these verses, for this discussion that we had, for the fact that you give us grace and the ability to be salt and light. Lord, I just love you, and I thank you for all you've done. I thank you for this time that we've had. Uh, Bless these Ladies that are doing this study alongside us, Lord, I pray that you would uplift them, that you would help them to learn, you would help them to grow, and that this would be an encouragement to them. In your name I pray, amen.